Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 261 of the Spoiler Alert podcast, brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. This is Mike. I'm here with Danny. And tonight we're discussing the fourth installment of the Disney Pixar Toy Story franchise, called, appropriately enough, Toy Story 4. Danny, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing just awesome, Mike. How about yourself? Doing great. Thank you. I feel like this movie is a big deal, right? I mean, this is the fourth in the series. Toy Story is legitimately the one that started it all, right? The first full-length feature film from Pixar, the first fully CG animated film, and like an instant classic more than, what, 24 years ago now? 24 years ago. And and I think that it's a big deal as well because this isn't a franchise that just craps out a new movie every 18 months. Uh, right. This this is the fourth installment in 24 years. So I, I think that there's a lot of care and TLC given to each of the movies that they have made around these characters and a lot of a lot of thought. I mean, we've got, you know, lands at Disney World built around these characters and yeah. and I think there's there's a lot of affinity for this particular group. For sure. I mean, and that's sort of surprising, right? I mean, an original property 24 years ago that really launched Pixar, launched the the CG animated world we live in and to this day you're right i mean pixar is now such a a major brand and and toy story itself is such a huge kind of centerpiece in that yeah. you know the crown jewel of pixar you know now you think of hollywood studios at walt disney world and woody is in the logo right yes yes i mean that's kind of stunning a big deal yes yeah yeah i mean what else from 1995 other than the film Heat, is anyone still talking about? Right, just this and Heat, yeah. That's it. Yeah. They're normally mentioned together, which is a little weird. Um, God, I love Heat. That's such a good movie. I mean, just thinking of it now, it's like, gosh, I could really go Oh, that's great. watch it. It's the last it. great Michael Mann film. And, <laughs> Maybe the last great De Niro film. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, now, the other thing that we can, I think, confidently say is that Toy Story 1, 2, and 3 have often also been considered a nearly perfect trilogy. Right. Yep. Each film, very well regarded, very well critically received, big box office hits. And to go back for a fourth is pretty daring. Is it, I mean, this also felt like, did this need to happen? Sure. Other than to just milk more money out uh, well, of this idea? Well, that's why I'm saying it's not that daring. Like, yeah, I, I agree that, um, you know, it, it can be a little anxiety inducing to go back to the well and undo a, a, a perfection that was prior uh, but of course you know it's going to make a trillion dollars so I guess is it really all that daring or is it just good business sense well I mean you know you had cars did well cars too terrible I mean like it's probably I think it is probably the worst Pixar film and a clear misstep, just a clear cash grab that, yeah. you know, Cars 3 didn't do very well, but is clearly better than Cars 2. You know, like they, they went back and sort of course corrected and, and I think got a little bit of the egg off their face. But with Toy Story 1, 2, and 3, it was like, maybe you should just leave well enough alone. And 
for them to go back for fourth, I thought was pretty gutsy. And then I think this is the last Pixar film officially to have John Lasseter on as at least a co-screenwriter. You know, he had helped definitely usher in and write several of the others. I mean, he is, of course, persona non grata. Uh, these days and doesn't take much anymore though does it no no no. i mean he he was i can't remember what studio just brought him in as their head of animation and already people were quitting the project and were like i can't work at a place where john last i don't need a long hug yeah right yeah right yeah this guy might be breathing (laughs) on the same campus as i am and i can't stand for it oh god yeah. Oh, we're gonna get we're gonna get comments on this. We should stop this train of conversation. All right, all right, all right. we'll leave Lasseter. Put a pin in it. Um, put him on the side. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I think it was gutsy, and I'm really excited. Let's get into this, the movie itself, so we can talk about yes. whether or not Toy Story Four was successful. I think, I guess, in your eyes, it was a a surefire moneymaker. So it was a smart business move. Right. To keep the uh, the intellectual property fresh in everyone's mind, which does not but equate to me wanting to see this movie. By the way, like uh, that, a, a good business deal doesn't mean that I think that it needed to happen. So we know my, you, my, we know, my love for Disney is different than that. Yes, right. Yeah. Hobbs and Shaw is coming out. That right, too will make a billion right, dollars right. globally. You're not itching to see it. I got it. I'm I got not. It. Yeah. Well, well, Toy Story Four, of course. Uh, continues the saga of Sheriff Woody, Buzz Lightyear, and the rest of the friends who at the end of Toy Story 3 had found a new home with uh, a lovely child named Bonnie after Andy moved to college and rather than uh, sort of throw his toys away or store them in the attic, he gave them to Bonnie so they'd have a good home and she'd play with them. Well, we find out a few years later that Bonnie's a pretty crappy toy owner and not really a big fan of any of these old toys uh, they're definitely not getting the love they, they want and deserve, and Woody especially is feeling very left out. And yet, Woody and the rest of the toys undyingly and unflaggingly care about Bonnie and want her as a child to have a great childhood and feel that their job is to protect her and help her grow and develop into a perfect human. Well, that's a a tall order, and so they need some help. And as Bonnie goes to kindergarten orientation, Woody helps her, kind of unbeknownst to her, to to get some crafts together. And Bonnie ends up making her own toy named Forky, who's voiced in the film by Tony Hale. And Forky very quickly becomes Bonnie's favorite new toy. And when the family packs up to take a vacation, all the toys go along, but Forky's the most important. And of course, while on vacation, Forky, who of course is made from garbage and believes back to garbage he should return, uh, is sort of suicidal. And uh, he decides to jump out of the car in one of his many, many attempts to return himself to the trash, causing Woody to once again lead a rescue effort to go after Forky and try and return him to Bonnie's care. Well, much hilarity ensues. We run back into Bo Peep, whom we haven't seen since Toy Story 2. We find out what she's been up to. And we spend a lot of time in a creepy antique shop with uh, a gaggle of ventriloquist dummies named Benson (laughs) and another creepy doll named Gabby Gabby who wants to steal Woody's voice box, if that isn't creepy enough. Anyway, we meet a lot of new characters. They're all hilarious. Bonnie gets reunited with Forky and Sheriff Woody makes a tough decision to try and strike it out on his own and 
possibly wind down a hugely successful film franchise and yet still leaving the door open in case we want to find out what happens yeah, a few never, years later. You can never slam the door shut, can you? No, right, right, right. That's Toy Story 4. All right. Buddy, what did you think of the film? Uh, I liked it. All right, good episode. We'll talk to you later. See you next time. Right, what, what did you think of it? You know, I really enjoyed it. I did, I did laugh a lot. The graphics, again, are mind-blowingly great. I mean, every Pixar film, I feel like they take some sort of hyper step forward yeah, with the technology. It's yeah, it's really fantastic. And um, but this one is—it's very different from the others. I feel like the others are all about childhood and the toys, and you know, I really. You know, Toy Story 3 was such an emotional gut punch. Yeah, right. And then this one is much more, like, navel-gazing. It's it's existential. It's why do I exist? Yeah. And so it's deep and it's philosophical. And yet I still laughed a ton and loved the characters. But I felt it had a little less heart and maybe a little more mind. Okay. Okay. I don't know. What'd you think? I, I w- would concur with that assessment myself. You know, you said something in the the plot recap about, you know, it's it's Woody's job and all of the toys' jobs to kind of save Forky for the sake of Bonnie, to make sure that she has her companion through kindergarten. I kind of didn't get that sense. I thought that it was really only Woody doing everything. I felt like other toys kind of came along for the ride because he was a big leader. Like, he... He was the guy that kind of got them along and got their assistance. So this movie was, to me, all Woody. Like, this was all his need to continue to prove his existence as a toy for the sake of Bonnie, which was which was emotional. Like, that that in itself yeah. was, was, was kind of gut-wrenching. But I sort of felt like this was the Woody show and everybody else had a supporting role. And when I say supporting role, I kind of mean minor roles buzz lightyear was in here for what six seven minutes maybe like he was barely there this has become like the avengers film right where you got 40 characters on screen and they're not all gonna get a lot of screen time in fact you know don rickles who voiced mr potato head passed away several years ago and in the press for this film I think much has been made about the fact that the director was able to work with Don Rickles' estate to use some of his prior recording sessions from the previous three films to sort of cobble together enough lines that Mr. Potato Head could return, and it's Don Rickles' voice. So I was very excited to to go in and, and hear him again. But boy, he has about four lines, and they're all things like, hey, watch it. Yeah, right, right. Look out. Yes. I mean, it's just the most generic, like, there's nothing memorable. It's not like he has an arc. It's not like he, he gets screen time, even with Mrs. Potato Head. It's really just, hey, watch it. But but he's in there. So I agree that everyone else gets short shrift. There's a lot of time with Woody and, and Gabby Gabby. and Plus and so Forky. many of the characters that you really loved from the original like uh rex i mean does he have more than two lines and and honest to god is jesse just here so that they can sell more plush at disney like i i think that joan cusack had eight seconds of voice time in this movie well, it was she's absurd. now the sheriff such a nod to the young ladies in the audience. I think that uh, this is just this was about twenty too many characters in an animated yeah. movie and we had to make room for all of them. And again, I think that's really fair criticism. And 
you know, the, the, the core group, except for Bo Peep, right, has been in one, two, and three, and now four. Right. And you keep adding and adding and adding new characters, and they keep bringing home new toys and keep finding new friends. And even Bonnie's toys, like um, Timothy Dalton voices one, and uh, boy, the guy from Curb Your Enthusiasm does yeah. the hedgehog, or right. not the hedgehog, the like a unicorn or something. They're all funny. They're all good. But again, even they get one in two lines. Right. Right. So I agree. This is much more about Woody and he's got like a, he's got a deep arc. I mean, he's really wondering like, what is his purpose for living? He's having an existential crisis for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, And then there's Forky who's like a Frankenstein, you know, like a, a, a creation that's been brought to life out of trash who spends the first half of the movie trying to commit suicide right. and throw himself down a garbage can and down a garbage disposal and out windows. And it's kind of weird, right? It, it was, it was dark. It was a different take. Yeah. I mean, toy story three got dark. Like, I mean, right. There was the, I got sad, the, but there was the garbage shoot, the incinerator scene that was really difficult to stomach. Yeah. But, but it was, it was more just sad, right? And like when they all hold hands, like I don't care who you are, if you're not getting ready to cry yeah. when the toys hold hands and the garbage incinerator, you belong in the garbage incinerator. Right. Yeah, right. right. And, and I just I didn't have any moments like that in this one. It okay. just felt more cerebral. And yet, Key and Peel are in here, and Keanu Reeves is in here as new characters, and I thought they were very funny. Um, and like. Gabby Gabby and her ventriloquist ventriloquism uh, dummies are very creepy. I mean, they're good villains. They were great villains. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 Christina Hendricks was great. I I thought that the Key and Peel characters got a little played. I thought that it was funnier in the end credits when they had a couple of additional scenes. Yes. But I thought that during the movie, I was kind of like, okay, okay, that was funny for a second, and now it's not. I also thought that... Um, Forky continually trying to commit suicide and get himself in the garbage. That also got played. Like that was a joke that they they went back to at least a dozen times, right? And yeah, and I, yeah. I felt like it got I don't know. I, I feel like the first half of the movie started to kind of wear on me a little bit. Like, okay, let's let's get it moving here, which is why I actually really liked the introduction of the Gabby Gabby and the ventriloquist characters, because they were creepy and weird and and finally eliciting some sort of emotion in me that had for the better part of the movie been lacking up until then and they they, they creeped me out and, and weirded me even out. though the feeling was dread yes yeah right it yeah. felt something you went from kind of being bored to being filled with dread <laughs> correct yes well, so i love when they're in the antique shop where gabby gabby and the bensons live um, they're pushing her around in an old baby carriage. Yeah. It's very just kind of unsettling. And then they're playing the music from The Shining. Yes, yes. Yeah, like what a great nod to just an uncomfortable like that piece of music is ruined. What, what, I don't know what kind whatever, of music it was. Whatever that like nineteen thirties uh yes, creep, creepy ballroom dance song. Yeah, it's so Ooh. eerie. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was good. In fact, I also I don't know if you ever noticed this. I because I got so creeped out, I actually googled Toy Story and The Shining just to make sure that was the music. And okay. Of course it was. But did you know that Sid's carpet 
from the first Toy Story when they go to Sid's house. His carpeting is the carpet from the Overlook Hotel, so that's no actually way. another Shining reference that, from the original Toy that, Story. That has to be intentional, right? Like, that there's... oh yeah, it's like that hexagonal oh, pattern from the Overlook. Creepy! That's yeah. amazing. That's, that's fantastic. Brilliant. I really, really loved the scene in the final act uh, when the toys are are still desperately trying to prevent Bonnie's RV from making it to its destination, so they keep. Yes. applying the brakes and and the dad has no idea what the hell is going on and he's right. being followed by police who keep telling him to pull over the vehicle and get out of the car clearly this guy is intoxicated but right. he cannot control the vehicle whatsoever that was brilliant that that was a laugh out loud moment for me i thought that that was great screenwriting well it was one of those very few moments in the films in any of the four where, you know, the fact that the toys are alive and that they have their own agency and can do whatever, normally they just sort of interact with one another, Correct. right? Like yep. for them to have that much overt impact on like the human world. It was, is, a, it was a twist. Yeah, that was yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But I, it was I funny. Completely agree. I, I did enjoy it. While you said that Buzz Lightyear wasn't in the, the movie very long, and I agree he doesn't have many lines, but his arc is he's discovering that he needs to listen to his inner voice and he keeps pushing a button on his chest that gives him different commands. Like it's right. just, you know, the, right. the toys recordings and they always were like spot on with what he should do next. And I thought that was a great gag. That that was also great. Oh, yeah. Yet another moment too, though, where he overtly, where the toys overtly interact with the human world because he actually at one point then issues a command to Bonnie or issues a reminder to Bonnie that she forgot her backpack at the antique store, which yeah, he again, just tells her, right. Yeah. He, he just, he just tells her and, yeah. and she catches wind of it. And uh, again, not something that we'd seen much of it all in the prior three installments. No, it, it felt like they were kind of breaking a rule or, or sort of trying to expand the world. And it, to me, it did make the toys feel creepier because in the prior three while the toys got all these adventures, you could almost chalk it up to it's just in a child's imagination. Like maybe Andy was always just imagining that his toys sure. are having these wild adventures. Not anymore. Not when the toys we are know. driving the car yep. and talking to them. Right. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. real. Yeah, yeah. 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 What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with even needing to write in a part for Jesse? Could we have could we have done without some characters here at all? And and who else could we have done without? I, I mean, you, you see the the original cast of characters a few times throughout throughout the film. The the box that Andy dropped off for Bonnie are are together at a few different iterations, but. It really seemed like we were just trying to shoehorn a lot in, and I thought her especially. She she was the one where I was just like, boy, for, for somebody to have had such a major role in one of the prior movies, almost better to leave her out entirely than try and, and popsicle stick this in. Well, and that, to me, it feels like that's what they did with Bo Peep in Toy Story 3, right? Like Annie Potts and her whole character was not in there. Right. And so they just left her out. But I, I do think... I do think it points out a, a bit of a flaw in that you've got this embarrassment of riches of this cast and these characters that everyone loves 
And when the story comes together, you sideline 95% of them to try and shoehorn in some new characters as opposed to having some of those core characters go on an adventure or have the same problems. Um, but I guess, you know, they just kind of felt maybe they felt they were running out of story with yet another toy gets lost or taken or runs sure. away or packed in a box. And I guess. Um, but I did think that was that was a little challenging from a story standpoint. And I agree with you. But what's up with Keanu Reeves' character, Duke Kaboom, who's a Canadian stunt guy? What was the name of the kid who owned him? What was the name of his kid? It was some very, like, Yancey French-Canadian name. And, and I can't remember his name, but it was, like, Fajon or something. And he says it, like, ten times, but he always says it with an accent. It made me laugh every time. Oh, that's great. And that, and that kid, that dorky little Canadian kid was actually my youngest daughter's favorite character because she just liked the look of his face. Oh, that's great. Just like the way he was animated, she just laughed at him. What's up with Woody really being the only one who cares if their person has their toy back? Like, did you did you get us? I didn't get a sense of urgency from the toys on the RV whatsoever. Like, no. like I think Buzz was a distant second in giving. A- I think like he was more worried about helping Woody than he was about helping Bonnie at the point. Like, right. well, Woody's going to be in trouble, so we got to go rescue him. I don't. I guess I sort of feel like you know that Bo was supposed to be the lost toy, the one that no longer has a person and now can live this sort of crazy bohemian lifestyle. Right. And I sort of felt like other than Woody, they all were kind of there. Like, and and maybe sort of wanting it. Well, they didn't go through it, but they've been through this before, right? Like. Andy grew up. Right. Jesse's daughter, you know, Jesse's owner grew up and outgrew them. And that was the whole thing with Toy Story 3 where they got donated because they just weren't important to him anymore. And they were important to him. And, you know, ultimately Andy came back and then he, he gave them this second lease on life. But this shouldn't have been new to them. They should have seen this. Before and maybe if they would have had a few lines of dialogue of like we've been down this road before, you know, like right, right. A- Andy turned out great, you know. At some point, they don't need as many. And and for Bonnie, it was like we were never Bonnie's favorite toys, you know. Like right, she already had a bunch of toys, and she's got this extra box of toys. None of them were going to be her favorites. Um, I also, what's up with in in the closet in the very beginning? Those characters, there's a chair, there's an old clock in there, a um, couple others. They're voiced by Carol Burnett and yeah. um, Carl Reiner. Yeah. And, I mean, just a comedy legends. Right, hilarious. Right. And you give each of them, like, one line. Yeah. It was like, oh, just a, th- just those a fun, hilarious fun cameo characters. for some of the greatest people ever. Yeah. Yeah, I it's, guess an excuse to get them all into the studio for an afternoon. Probably – Come in, record two lines, and then just tell great stories about right. being in comedy. Just hang in the 70s. out. It was just their excuse yeah. to like get like have a beer with them and, and, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, tell yeah, some yeah. old yeah the, the days of yore. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Bonnie and her toys, what's up with how many toys Bonnie's parents let her pack on this road trip? <laughs> like, if this was my kid, I'd be like, absolutely not. No, no, you could bring your one toy and like uh, travel connect four. 
and then we're, we're done. Right. Like your, your headphones, you're good. You're good. See, even Connect Four with all those pieces, too like much. A rented RV. Yeah, no way. Yes, right. It's a lot of it's a lot of notebooks and pens in our house. <laughs> right, right. Like a like but a word find, a word she, jumble. She got a freaking suitcase full of toys, and then she's chasing yeah. down a freaking garbage fork. Like, no, yeah. no. If if I was dad, like, absolutely not. Are we looking around outside for this? Yeah, and what's up with how long they stay? I mean, they stop by this little carnival, and she loses Forky, and they spend, like, the entire day of vacation. Like, it's nighttime when they're like, dude, we got to we gotta move. Pack it up. And then, yeah. and then of course, like, the, the tire breaks, and so he's got to fix the tire. But it's it's hours of searching around town and retracing steps. It was insane. It's like, yeah. It's like, no, no we're not. Absolutely no, not. Not for a spork. I'm sorry, babe. Yeah. We got we got an itinerary. We we're supposed to be in Boulder, Colorado by by nightfall, you know, I've, whatever. Like I think even Woody was like uh, stretching to say that like she needed this freaking fork for kindergarten. I, as dad, I absolutely will not support that. No way. No. <laughs> no way. So would you buy your children an action figure of Forky? Like if they go to the store this weekend and see it, will you pay to buy a toy no. that looks like garbage made of a spork and no. like a pipe cleaner? I will not do that. No. Will no. you buy them a spork and pipe cleaners and let them make their own forky that they can love and take care of? No, they can buy that themselves if that's really what they want to do. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right, buddy, you ready for five questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We've got five listener submitted questions. Thank you, listeners. Question number one, assuming this is the last Toy Story, do you think part three provided a better ending for the series? I do. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Question number two, would you be down for a Ducky Bunny spinoff? I would. Yeah, okay. I would watch Ducky and Bunny the way that um, on Netflix for a while there, there was like M- Mater's Tales. Oh, okay. It, it okay. was just sort of like short cartoons starring Mater, I would watch a, a Ducky and Bunny short series, especially if it was them and like their imaginations, yeah. like the, the credit sequence here in, in Toy Story 4. That was laugh out loud. Yeah, that was great. That The credit sequence yeah. was fantastic here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, question number three. He obviously has talent, but does anyone really like Randy Newman's voice? I don't know. I... <laughs> He's clearly talented, you're right, but boy, every song, he just sounds dumb or something. <laughs> He's, he sounds off. He, he definitely I, sounds weird. I was actually in a hotel for work a couple of weeks ago, and, I, you know, it's like one in the morning, and I'm still not asleep, and I'm struggling to sleep in a hotel. So I throw on, on Amazon Prime, and I'm like, oh, they have the series Monk, oh, okay. which I hadn't yeah. seen in years, right? Tony Shalhoub right. and... Uh, uh, Ted Levine and I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Throw in an episode, and that terrible theme uh, song with Randy Newman comes on. I was like, oh, I had erased this from my memory banks, and then it got stuck in my head the whole next day. And his, the earworm. It's a jungle out, yeah. Like his, just the way he speaks is so terrible. Do, do you remember that Saturday Night Live skit where they were recording different artists? doing a Star Wars theme song and they had him be one of them and it was no. so stupid it's like no. Obi-Wan Kenobi shooting some droids <laughs> so dumb okay question 
That's a great it's, gag, though. It's, this this guy like was nominated. He's been nominated for like sixty Oscars. Like oh, he eventually a- won for like. Uh, what what was it that he fi- was it Monsters Inc. that he finally won for? Yeah, like, I'm not sure. Ten years but, ago I mean, or something. Fabulously talented, yeah. immensely wealthy, very successful. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. We're two idiots for the podcast, but <laughs> that doesn't change the fact that his voice sounds weird. Right, it's a weird sounding voice. Uh, question number four: Why at 54 is Keanu Reeves having such a moment right now? He really is, right? Yeah. Um, I think I read the other day that. I think it was from 2009 to 2014, like that five-year stretch. He had like four or five movies come out, and I don't think any of them made more than five million bucks. Like he was gone. He was just donezo. And then he did John Wick, and it kicked so much ass that we all realized we need Keanu Reeves back in our lives, and we need him back in our lives in a big way. And now he's... The world is his oyster. It's just, it's his world. We're all just we're, along for the we're, ride. We're along for the ride. All right. Yeah. And final question. Given the popularity of Forky, should we expect more white trash characters in future Pixar projects? <laughs> That's funny. It's... Uh, yes, because isn't their next movie about trolls or something? Or, oh. Um, and they, it seemed like almost like 80s, and I kind of felt like there were white trashy type characters in there. Okay. So, yes, yeah, right. I probably should. Get ready for it. Okay, that's yeah. five questions. Thank you, listeners. Thanks, listeners. Great questions. Well, I guess my final thoughts would be for Toy Story 4 would be I enjoyed the film. I thought it was very funny. I thought it was very deep and more intellectual than I was expecting, but not quite on the par with – it's definitely not with Toy Story 3 in my opinion. That's still probably the best. I concur. But very well done. I concur with you completely. It's it's just hard for me to be too critical of it because I feel like it's still going to be better than 100 movies made this year. Like, sure. I, I will still enjoy this more than much of the other th- things that will come out. And as a result, why complain? Like, let it happen. And was it necessary? Maybe not. Is it as good as the prior three? Maybe not. But it's better than a lot. Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, coming up next, we've got the musical comedy Yesterday featuring the music of the Beatles. And then I just want to prep the uh, the audience that the next best picture chosen by the best picture choosing machine was 1933's Cavalcade. So I'm sure that everyone will want to go home, dust off their Blu-ray copy of that, refresh themselves so that two episodes from now – they can uh, sort of follow fully along and, and fully appreciate the dialogue about Cavalcade. Yeah, so yesterday's next, then Cavalcade. All right. Well, looking forward to it. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com, where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.